Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. Before I got married, I imagined love as something straight out of a romantic comedy. You complete me. And I just had... Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. Kate, somewhere in the middle of all this, I fell in love with you. You may take the option. I'm saying I love you. Saying it out loud. We're doing the Pemchenko. What? I'll have what she's having. I freaking loved romantic comedies. The slightly disheveled and neurotic, but also totally lovable heroines. The hilarious misunderstandings, the dashing but totally jerky dudes who she doesn't end up with at the end. But after I got married, I realized that real love is nothing like a romantic comedy. It is messier, it is sometimes uglier, no one's hair is in perfect beach waves all the time. But it is also less of a roller coaster. It's more calm and level-headed and sometimes even a bit boring, but that is part of what makes love and marriage totally awesome. I met the author Georgia Lou Clark, isn't that an awesome name by the way, through her romantic comedy novels. Her latest, It Had to Be You, kept me up for three nights reading well past bedtime. And I began to wonder what it would be like to be married to someone who writes romantic comedies for a living who writes the happy endings. And that is when I found out something even more interesting about Georgia Lou Clark. Her spouse, Lindsay, actually worked with the world-renowned relationship therapist, Esther Perel. I'm Esther Perel. Join me for a new season of Where Should We Begin? And throughout the beginning of their relationship, which, by the way, does sound a little bit like a romantic comedy, the two of them had Esther biggest relationship guru in the universe as their wing woman. I would say at least a couple times a week, Georgia and I are reflecting on some Esther nugget of information or insight. This is how this is how Georgia and I talk about relationships, by the way. If anyone asks us anything, we, we, we start basically by saying, well, Esther Perel says. We, we both learned an incredible amount from being around Esther and her work and, and just seeing a lot of examples of a lot of different couples and how they handle conflict, be that better than us or not as not as good as we did. And still to this day, it's been a couple years now since I've worked 
on the Esther Perel team. And I would say at least a couple times a week, Georgia and I are reflecting on some Esther nugget of information or insight. One thing I think about is, and this was, I'm not sure if this is like an Esther piece of knowledge or where it came from, but the idea that in a to make a marriage work or to make a relationship work, your partner has to be happy, you have to be happy, and as a couple, you have to be happy. And those three things are three different things. Oftentimes in her sessions, and if you listen to her podcast, Where Should We Begin?, she asks this question a lot. She'll ask couples their origin story, and you'll oftentimes see couples' like eyes sparkle and kind of they, they light up and they look at each other differently. And that, my friends, right there, that is why we start every episode of this podcast with a couple's origin story. It's like a fluffer. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is Committed. So Lindsay and I met, I was 33 and she was 30, and we were both living in Brooklyn and had been living in Brooklyn for a few years. I'd moved to New York when I was 29 and to, to seek my fortune, to just live in the city. I had come on a short trip, fallen in love with the city, with the energy, with the sort of New York magic that gets under everyone's skin and forces us to stay here and pay astronom- astronomical rents for a long, long time. Georgia was single at the time. She'd put up a profile on this dating website called How About We. It didn't last that long, but the premise of it was pretty awesome. It was a genius concept where instead of just writing things about yourself and posting a sexy picture with a baby tiger, you suggested an actual date that the two of you should go on. And my date was go to the Manhattan Inn, which was a great jazz club in Greenpoint, and drink red wine. And Lindsay's date was how about we ride our bikes to Steve's Key Lime Pie in Red Hook. Spoiler alert, I'm not a big cyclist, so we've actually never done that date. And we met in the fall of 20, oh gosh, was it 13, 14? 2013, at a bar in Greenpoint and... It was my kind of 6,000th online date, so I had very, very low expectations, no expectations, was just dating like it was my job, two or three dates a week to just increase my odds of meeting someone. But I was Lindsay's first online date and her first date with a woman. This was Lindsay's first ever date with a woman. And understandably, she was freaking nervous. To the point that I had spent all day choosing my outfit. And in her dating profile, she had mentioned that she really likes, really likes cheese. It was the only information I had about her. She was a writer and she loves cheese. And so I went to the nice little cheese shop at my neighborhood and picked up a couple of my favorite cheeses that were like wrapped in this cute brown paper with a little twine, very, very Brooklyn-y. And I brought her cheese on our first date. I was freaking out. 
Yeah, it was I very. Would, cute. I would have. Ma- I would have married you right there. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out well for me. It worked out well for me in the end. So this was your first time choosing to date women, and you date dated men before. Was it was it terrifying just to make that choice of being like, all right, now I'm now I'm I'm switching switching to bisexual on this dating profile? Like, what led up to that for you? Very terrifying. I'm sure anyone who's listening who has had the the realization that you're not a, a straight person there's there's the first my first reaction was just trying to understand what that meant i very clearly remember the first time someone explained to me what the kinsey scale was and it, everything made sense that there's a, a spectrum of sexuality and it's it's maybe not as black and white as i had i had once understood but yeah i was definitely i was later it was later in life when i realized that I was really interested and excited to spend time with women. Like women really capture captured my attention in a different way than men had. And it wasn't necessarily like this this massive aha moment or this realization that I had been su- suppressing like a desire. It was more of a an interest to explore what that might be like because i had no idea what it what it would be like to be intimate with a woman and was really curious about it and and realized i was like solidly an adult and lived in new york city and and just didn't want to wake up 10 or 15 years down the road and wonder what that might have been like and so tell me how that first date went you get you give her the cheese george what what did you say when you just you got this beautifully wrapped <laughs> cheese in a bar I was stunned because obviously bringing gifts on a first online day is not the norm. And straight away, like Lindsay walks in and she's considerably more attractive than most of my online dates. And so immediately was like, oh, okay, this is like a real date. Like I actually, like I'm attracted to you. And she was, had a lot of energy, came in hot, told me a lot of personal information about herself right off the bat including her love languages and her personality as defined by the Myers-Briggs personality test. <laughs> and just like a lot of secrets. What were the love languages? Love languages are physical touch and quality time. Mm-hmm. And she's like a, a, a woo personality, which is winning others over. <laughs> Which is which is my strengths finder. It's strengths one of my finder. strengths finders. Yeah, she, yeah. Gave, she told yeah. me that critical information for a first yeah, just like for a first date to know. Yeah, a lot of here's everything you need to know about me, which I thought was very charming and funny because that's generally not what first dates are, are like. It's pretty casual, and you're just getting to know each other and more like seeing if there's the possibility for a connection rather than here's my resume, here's my blood type, here's everything you need to to know about me. But we had. Know, like three drinks or whatever and we're like definitely flirting and feeling it and then it was pretty obvious from the get-go for both of us that we were into each other and wanted to see each other again and I invited her back to my place where we had the cheese and some more wine like we needed more drinks and we I, I kissed her on my couch and which was a really beautiful <laughs> memorable first kiss it was really lovely and exciting and and then we basically we were together straight away it was there was like very little is this a thing i don't know we still had 
because Lindsay had not been in a relationship with the woman before we had to get, you know, she was going to basically come out to everyone, which at the time that was the only real red flag for me. Cause I just thought, well, maybe that won't happen. And I come out when I was 19. I was very well past that stage and it was not a big deal with my family. It was kind of like, Oh, my best friend's actually my girlfriend. It's like, okay. It's like nothing. And I just, I didn't want to be like, in the, I wasn't going to be dragged back into the closet for years. And I thought maybe she won't actually go through with it, actually come out. But she, she really did. And quite quickly. And so it was, it was, yeah, a really good relationship right from the beginning. It was good. It was a good relationship. But coming out is always a process. I was really nervous to tell them. I think just to shake up the expectations that your very loving, very dedicated parents have have ha- have had for you since before you were born made me quite nervous. And I I, I didn't really I didn't do it in in a way that I would would recommend. We'd just gone on a big family vacation three weeks in New Zealand. And this was only a few weeks after Georgia and I had first met. So we were, we were dating at that point in time. And I had planned to tell my family on this big vacation, but they're just family vacations come with lots of highs and lows. And there was just a lot of travel logistics and, and that kind of thing. And I, I, there just wasn't a good moment to tell my my parents. And so we got home from the trip. It was like a couple days before Thanksgiving. And in the morning before I flew out, I was making breakfast and was like, hey, so by the way, I'm dating a woman and gotta go. It's time for time for me to catch a flight. And I literally flew away to the East Coast. Coming out is a process. It's an ongoing conversation. And the responsible thing to do is to continue to check in with your people to offer insights and to share how you're feeling and to hear how they're feeling and to answer any questions and do that over the course of some some elongated period of time. And I remember listening to that and having another conversation with my parents, reflecting on how maybe I could have done it better the first time. George's most recent book, the one that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, is called It Had to Be You. And it revolves around the love stories of several couples, but particularly two female wedding planners. This naturally made me wonder whether or not Georgia herself had always been into weddings, whether if she was one of those little girls who thumbed through bridal magazines and picked out her wedding song. I assumed she was. But friends, I was totally wrong. I was not a little girl who grew up dreaming of my wedding. I was more like a little girl (laughs) dreaming of wild career success. So it wasn't something that was particularly important to me. But when we met and started dating and very fell in love, we fell in love very quickly. And it did seem obvious to me that that was where things were going. And that I knew that Lindsay had, and was probably raised with a more of a traditional understanding that you would get married. I was always, well, if it's important to my partner, I liked the idea of it. I liked the idea of a real commitment. Georgia and Lindsay were coming up on their five-year anniversary. They just attended both of their younger brother's weddings. And Georgia knew that Lindsay was on a little bit of a slower timeline than she was. 
So she said, all right, you know, I get it. I want to let you know that I'm ready. And when you're ready, you can ask me. Just because I tend to make decisions very quickly can oftentimes be a problem, but I tend to jump in and commit to things pretty quick. And Lindsay is definitely someone who really likes to take her time to really think through decisions. And if she has the time, there's no end to the thoughtful pondering that will go on. So Georgia realized, as they're coming up on this five-year anniversary, that Lindsay might never ask. Because I hadn't given her any kind of real deadline, which I didn't want to do. There was like no ultimatum or anything like that. So I just decided I was going to ask her because I knew that she would say yes. And and I was coming up on 40 and and just felt if, if we're going to get married, which I'm, that's probably what's going to happen, we may as well just do it now. What are we waiting for? And when Georgia proposed, I realized, like, I was just so relieved because I, I realized how much I was in my head about making it perfect and how can I plan something that's meaningful enough and yeah it might have been like we still might not be engaged babe I'm so glad that you pulled that trigger time for a quick break when we get back we'll find out what it was like to have pretty much the most famous relationship expert in the entire world on speed dial for your own relationship hey guys Joe here This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Georgia and Lindsay were together for about a year before Lindsay started working with Esther Perel to co-found her brand, Esther Perel Global Media. And she is just an incredible, an incredible person, an incredible friend, an incredible woman. (laughs) And then we had... Basically, through our engagement, this ace-in-the-hole relationship therapist that we spent a lot of time with. And I would say that, I think, Georgia, you would agree that we, we both learned an incredible amount from being around Esther and her work and, and just seeing a lot of examples of a lot of different couples and how they handle conflict, be that better than us or not as, not as good as we did, and still... To this day, it's been a couple years now since I've worked on the Esther Perel team. And I would say at least a couple times a week, Georgia and I are reflecting on some Esther nugget of information or insight. And I think there's a couple things that that have really, really stuck with me. One of them was that when we were when we were dating, there's a lot of things that you can get caught up on. Like I was definitely thinking about for the first time, what does it mean to have a family 
as a lesbian couple. What does that look like? What does family planning look like for us? And I've, I had always been interested in being a parent. And so there are just these, these things that you start thinking about when you're, when you're thinking about a, a life story with someone. And, and I remember Esther saying one of the most important things about choosing a partner is how you feel in the presence of the other. And from that first date, I always felt, I just felt like my, like I could be myself and I felt playful and calm and, and at home with Georgia. And, and so I, I really, I really appreciated and held on to, to that little piece of advice. And one of the things I remember early on that was helpful in our relationship was she talks a lot about how we've gone from having multiple people in our life fulfill our needs to this new this new idea that our spouse is our everything. They are our our spouse, our best friend, our muse, our workout buddy, our co-parent, our sous chef, our like the list just goes on and on and on that in this day and age, we expect our partner to fulfill, like, fulfill every single aspect of us. And Lindsay and I do a lot together. Like we, we go to yoga, yoga together and we are like very good friends as well as being partners and the list goes on. But Lindsay is way more outdoorsy than me in like she snowboards and surfs and I'm more of a walk along the beach, go for a snow shuffle kind of thing. And I remember early on she was getting worried because I didn't want to go for a bike ride with her. I never learned to drive, spoiler alert, and I still feel, I don't feel super confident bike riding in the city in New York. I can bike ride through a country field, no worries, but I, I just don't love doing it city. And she was just had this moment of, I just don't know, like, it's really important to me that my partner will come for a bike ride with me. I was like, babe, <laughs> like I do so many things with you. We are so many of the list, the long list of specifics. I'm just not going to be your bike bike ride friend. And that doesn't mean that our relationship isn't going to work out. It just means that you have to find someone else to bike ride with. And the benefit, as the state kind of points out, is that when you open that circle up a little bit more, you bring more people into your relationship, into your world, into your kind of friendship circle. And like now Lindsay goes bike riding with another gay woman whose girlfriend doesn't have any interest in bike riding. And that's shout out, <laughs> shout out, shout out to my bike buddy, Erica. And that's brought them closer together. So you can, you can see how the benefit of relaxing that need for your partner to be absolutely everything can, can pay off. And that was something that we still wisdom that is still helpful for us today. There's another wonderful thing that Esther talks about, which is, this is how, this is how Georgia and I talk about relationships, by the way. If anyone asks us anything, we, we, we start basically by saying, well, Esther Perel says, so she oftentimes in her sessions, and if you listen to her podcast, Where Should We Begin? She asks this question a lot. She'll ask couples their origin story, not unlike you asked us at the beginning of this interview. And you'll oftentimes see couples like eyes sparkle and kind of they light up and they look at each other differently. And when you remember, reflect on the reasons why you were initially attracted to someone, it, it's like really fills you with that feeling again. And you sort of relive that, th those like initial things that drew you to someone. 
and and like being able to come back to those things over and over again are, are really important and, and special. One thing I think about is, and this was, I'm not sure if this is like an Astaire piece of knowledge or where it came from, but the idea that in a to make a marriage work or to make a relationship work, you have to, your partner has to be happy, you have to be happy, and as a couple, you have to be happy. And those three things are three different things and that require different, they're, they're just sort of, they, 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 they have different, they have different needs. They all have different yeah, needs. Yeah, and they're interrelated, of course, because it's three things to do with two people. But there's some things that I, that's really important to me that I like doing that either doesn't involve someone else, like writing or something like that. And there's things that are important to Lindsay. I think that that was a tricky thing to really accept coming in, especially when you're in the early stage because you can't imagine spending a second apart and you're, like, the, the early template of your relationship is, well, it was at least for us, and we still do spend a lot of time together. And so often... Like the default is the happiness of the couple and then like, are we happy together? What we're doing together or physically together. But we do talk about, and I think it is a mature way to approach life and a marriage is to really make sure that those, the needs of the individuals are being met and to acknowledge that it might not have anything to do with the other person, like what those, what those needs are. And I work as a writer, I work which is very solo, lots of solo time. And writing is really tied to my mental health. I'm always feel a lot happier and more grounded and more driven and more hopeful when I'm working on something. And when I'm not, things can spiral. And so that's like something that's really important to me. And to be able to make room for that and not feel like that I, I need to be a part of Lindsay's Lindsay doesn't have a lot of alone time. She's like an extroverted extrovert who charges up with other people. I'm an introvert, so I need more alone time. And that was actually something that was like a real adventure for us as well because Lindsay is a very upbeat, positive person, very optimistic, very outward-facing, and I'm, I have can have like anxiety and depression and not it's not a defining factor of my life and I don't have clinical depression. I definitely can be a bit more of an Eeyore about life and... It was something that it took us kind of a long time for Lindsay to accept that that was normal. And that's kind of how a lot of human beings operate in the world. Human beings will have down days, like human beings will feel jealous or insecure. And not that I was deeply psychologically unhinged, which, you know, again, is because it was both of our first really serious long-term relationship. I had a I had a, a girlfriend in college and, and dated people, but this was our first time of being living with someone and really looking towards the future and really getting to know someone in an extremely intimate way. And I remember being nervous before we moved in together. We have a lot of fun time together and we have these wonderful dates and we were traveling a lot and having these, the really fun part of our relationship. And I was nervous to sort of, for Lindsay to see me 24 seven and to bear witness to these sort of moments in my life where I was um, this sparky outward facing person and for her to kind of, how that she was going to react to that. And it was, it, it did take us a while for, you know, to just accept that and to, for that to be normalized and, and okay. How did you guys get to that point? Lindsay, did you realize that Georgia 
was nervous about this? And what what did you do when you saw the part of her that just wasn't sparkly all the time? Such a good question. I think it's it's, it's the process of getting to know someone in a fold. Like we, I, I maybe maybe using the word we is not fair, but I think a lot of people, especially in today's society, we put our best foot forward publicly. We put our best foot forward on social media and when we're on first dates. And the, you know, the, the, it took me a while to figure out that the harder stuff was really juicy and interesting and, and there was a lot to learn there. But it, it was definitely a challenge for me to, I think, just to realize that there were, that there are people in the world that are different than myself. I don't know if you guys have had that experience, but it's, I've lived in this body and in this mind for, all of my years and and you assume everyone is is like you or I did at least and so there it was a big learning curve and it was it felt it really felt like a privilege to be let into into someone's world in in the spaces that that weren't the shiny spots I absolutely loved what Lindsay said about the privilege of being let into someone's life about being let into the parts that aren't perfect and aren't shiny and are kind of crappy that we always just hide inside ourselves because we're afraid if someone else sees them that they won't love us anymore. That is the part of marriage and love that is truly interesting to me. Right there. And it's also the reason that I wanted to know what it's like to be married to someone who writes about the shinier aspects of romance, who writes about the good parts of love. More on that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. What's it like being married to a rom-com writer, babe? <laughs> I love that you're a rom-com writer. I think with every, with every new book that you've written, it's such a window into your mind and into your soul and, you know, really into what you're thinking about and how you process things. And I think that's been true for all of the books that you've written that I've read. And this one for during the process of you writing It Had to Be You and even in the, the process of you talking about it a lot more recently after it's come out, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot about you still, which I, I hope to continue to be learning about you for the rest of our lives. But this process in particular has really brought out this lovey-dovey soft side of you that I know, but I think it's just poured fuel on that fire. And yeah, you're, t you're definitely a romantic. We were just talking about this yesterday. One of the first kind of big romantic gestures 
that I remember when we first started dating. We started dating in October, like the end of October, and Georgia went to Australia for a month for the holidays over over December. So we were really intensely together and then separated. And I was at my parents' house and in the mail arrives a telegram from Australia. And it was so cute. It was so, it was just so thoughtful and so sweet. And you're just, you're romantic in those ways and you're romantic in ways that are less obvious. And I think that that side of you is what really seeps into the writing. I'm a pretty romantic person, I would say. I love love. I love being in love. I think Lindsay and I are like, my father-in-law, Lindsay's dad was staying with us a couple of weeks ago and he was like, you guys are still in the honeymoon phase. And you know, that's something that we, I don't think, it's not like conscious in that we wake up and we're like, okay, operation honeymoon phase. But like we make an effort to stay really playful and affectionate and, and like insufferable with each other. And which really adds to the pleasure of our relationship and just really enjoying being with each other. And I definitely draw on feelings of what it feels like to have a crush on someone, to feel like you're falling in love with them, to have that intense emotional connection to someone in my writing. And to because I think readers relate to and appreciate authenticity. And if it doesn't read anything like their experience of having a crush or falling in love, it's probably not going to really resonate with them. So I definitely try and, where possible, draw on my own feelings. I think it's romantic how you choose your battles with me and how how, <laughs> how well you know me. It, it's like the the little things that, that become romantic over time, right? It's like, what is romance? It's like knowing that you're being thought about. And it's nice to be the person who's a little bit getting, being tested on um, for, for this, this kind of loving material. I love that. That answer just brought me, brought me such joy. Yeah. Well, I think I get the impression that most rom-com writers or, or writers working in the romance space are either like secret romantics or everyone and their dog knows they're a romantic. Like, I think it's just about believing in the power of love and wanting to honor that potential for connection with another person and really seeing it as something that is precious and rare and important and that it's so much more than just lust, although lust is a part of it, to truly imagine that your life might exist in simpatico with another human being and that you can make each other happy and that you can be a good team and that you can trust each other and that you speak some sort of the same language. And I love that everyone, we're so good at telling our own love stories. And And by that, I mean that, you know, you could be the complete opposite of your partner or you could be extremely similar to your partner and your sort of origin story will hold that up as being fantastic, which I I just think is so sweet. Everyone is able to celebrate and glorify their love in their own unique way, which is so beautiful. Look, I'm just so grateful that you don't write really intense psychological thrillers or like horror novels. <laughs> I, I get so scared. I'd be so, I'd be so, I, I would be a worse audience member for different genres. So personally, I'm, I'm super grateful that this is, this is your path right now. I kind of joke, but I'm also dead serious that I think every creative should marry a Lindsay. <laughs> like it's so good to have someone who 
isn't riding these highs, like massive highs and lows of the creative life, who is really just a lot, a, a stable presence, who has a genuinely optimistic outlook on life. That kind of optimism and buoyancy and perspective that happiness isn't about getting the biggest advance or the most book sales. Like it, it truly is about having a happy family life and to have yourself spread out over a few different factors of life, like good friends, good relationship to your body, a hobby or, or something that's nothing to do with making money and to have these more of an even attitude. Because for so many years, it was really just so much about my life and my focus was the work and wanting to get better at what I was doing and find more audience and blah, blah, blah. And it's not like those things have totally disappeared, but I feel like I do have slightly more of an even perspective of things. Uh, But guys, those are my only questions. Am I missing anything? Is there anything else I should be asking you? No, but thank you so much for having us on. It's really nice to talk about my beautiful wife and how much I love her. And yeah, thanks for doing this, Bibi Bear. Oh, my, my pleasure. I was very nervous, Joe. You did great. This was great. I loved it. This was just like a very joyful and happy making episode. wanted to end this episode with one last question for Georgia and Lindsay. And I've asked other writers about this before, but I think it matters. What is it like to have your spouse, your partner in life, what is it like to have them give you feedback and criticism on your creative work? Because personally, sometimes I totally crave it. And sometimes I let Nick read my shit and then I resent him for saying anything bad about it. It can be this strange balance. Sometimes it feels amazing, and sometimes it feels completely shitty. And I think that this, and even if you're not a writer, I think that this goes for all careers. How do we want our spouse to give us feedback about everything that we do? Lindsay and Georgia actually had a really interesting response to this, and it boils down to something that we talked about earlier. You cannot be everything to your spouse. You can't be everything to your spouse. You just can't. Yeah, Lindsay used to be... Yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay was my first reader on on a couple of books, I think on the regulars and the bucket list. And then when I was writing this book, we were... Oh, no, and I think this one as well has to be you. The new book that I, I wrote a book over lockdown and changed my strategy a little bit because I used to read to her and it was always a slightly fraught experience because there's only one correct answer to do you want to hear me read which is like yes oh my god let me clear my schedule like throw my computer out the window and I'm all ears and I've been waiting for you all day to ask me and yes 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 a million times yes and Lindsay's answer was really that always kind of like oh yeah I guess I could or just maybe in a few hours or I'm really busy right now whatever 
And even before we'd get to the reading, I'd be like working myself into a frenzy because she wasn't excited enough to hear it or something insane like that. And so when we're in lockdown together, I just decided I'm not going to read to her because we're already, we, we did pretty well in lockdown together, but we did not need to have another stress on the relationship or on our lives. So I did not read to her as I was writing for the first time over 2020. And that was a good decision because it's like, Lindsay's feedback is really good, but it's not, you know, like I have a developmental editor I work with. I have an agent and her assistant, like I have good readers. And so it's not like I absolutely need to have it. It's always nice to have it and nice to have some early validation, but I think that it worked out better for us. And whether we go back to it or not, I'm not sure. I'm also very, I'm pretty opinionated. And I think that that could be hard. Georgia has had to teach me over the years how to give feedback, which if anyone needs to learn how to do this, it's by starting with the good stuff. You have to start with the good stuff before asking questions or making light suggestions. Oh, but maybe, at first, I would just... Suggestions or light suggestions. Lindsay <laughs> is very emotional. And so... If she hears something that she doesn't like, it's like a full body reaction, like a, like the fists are clenched, the face is screwed up. She's just like really having trouble hearing something because she's very sensitive. And I'd be like, babe, let's just take it down a notch. Everything is editable. And you're having this reaction to one sentence, like it can be cut. So there'd be sort of this like outsized reaction of displeasure to something that would be, that would, it just wouldn't, wasn't a great writer editor relationship. Joe, can you can you imagine how stressful? This is why it takes a village. Your partner can't be everything to you and I'm so grateful that there are other people who are in the mix now because I, I wasn't very good at that. Being a creative person in any medium is not easy. It is not it, it requires such a huge amount of not only talent but resilience and drive and hustle even when you're doing really well. It's really hard. There's a lot for me to learn still about being the partner, a good supportive partner of a creative person. Oh, you're, I will say like, Lindsay is an amazing partner in that sense. She's not, she's not no longer my first reader for now, but is an incredibly important part of my professional support system above and beyond just being my wife and the kind of support that you would generally expect in a marriage, like just the emotional support that someone provides. I can't imagine being in a partnership with another creative, aspiring creative, creative artist on the hustle because it does just define so much of my life because I, I don't have like a, a full-time job, I don't have family money, like I don't have any of those sort of things. It's really just about me using my <laughs> wits to cobble together a living and how supportive Lindsay is of that, but just just so helpful. This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with a very special thanks to Georgia Clark and Lindsay Rutowski. Supervising producer is Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com 
That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.